Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 22 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It doesn't matter if you're listening in Idaho, Montana, Ireland, Iceland. Actually, you know what? Iceland, uh, they were the bad guys in Mighty Ducks D2, so fuck Iceland. Uh, it's Clayton Croker and Justin Anderson coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We also have uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the maritime mistress maker, and uh, Alan Doyle's stalker at this point, uh, Patrick Marsh. Patrick, how is Alan doing? Is he doing okay? You know what? The order's already out. I couldn't tell you. I... <laughs> no contact. Uh, let's start the episode off by uh, saying a big congratulations to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Woo! <laughs> big win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They didn't have their starting quarterback, but yeah. you know what? We'll take it. It was. I uh... see you're wearing your Ryder green today, too. You got a nice Balcom Ryder green shirt on. It was laundry day, okay? I didn't have any blue. I'm saving it for tomorrow at work to rub it in everyone's faces because being a Bomber fan in Saskatchewan sucks. Like, let me tell you, yeah. it is the worst. So uh, to everyone in Saskatchewan listening, sucks to be you, Bombers. <laughs> we're going to the Great Cup, baby, and we're going to win it. I'm so excited. Uh, also, though, on a uh, not a more serious note, I guess, but uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram. Justin, are we on Nexopia yet? No. Get on it, man. Why aren't we on Exopia yet? <laughs> That's your job. You're a social media guy. Let's go. Uh, yeah. uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're basically everywhere. Yeah. And uh, this episode, uh, it is going to be dedicated to uh, Doc Holliday. Uh, passed away one year ago. I think it was six years ago, or not six years ago, but a year and six days ago now. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Doc, we still miss you. Uh, favorite Doc memory. For me, it was one of the many 10-inning games that he had. I think mm. he had four. Something like that. Where he pitched 10 innings that ended up winning the game. I think he lost a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think my big one, though, is in Philly when he threw the perfect game. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that this is a Blue Jays podcast and we're in talking the playoffs, about... playoffs, the no-hitter. That was true. It was just... I don't know. Patrick, what about you? Best doc memory? Oh, um, I do... The 10-inning the shutout win is pretty sweet, um, but... I was thinking about this too before the show started and that perfect game was pretty special. I know like he was on Philly, but come on, we got to give him props. Yeah. I just remember when, uh, after he had signed the one day contract and retired, they sat, did a little sit down with him and he talked about how when he was first uh, traded to Philadelphia, he felt like a blue Jay wearing a Philly's uniform. Mm -hmm. and that's, he, that's why he said he always felt like a, he was always a Blue Jay. That's how he felt, and but it didn't matter what jersey he was wearing, which is pretty cool. I think that's the case for a lot of legendary pitchers because, in a way, like pitchers, they're kind of on an island out there, you know. Yeah. Like they're not playing like the team game in the infield. I mean, sometimes on bunts and ground yeah. balls of the pitcher or whatever, but I mean, they're kind of on their own out there. Mm -hmm. They're not really part of the whole infield outfield kind of thing. So it kind of seems like pitchers are on their own, and that's maybe why he kind of felt yeah. like you know Jay just kind of pitching for the Phillies. But man, he was a boss for both, and. Uh, we miss you, Doc. This one's for you. Uh, today, for episode 22, we're talking about uh, some Blue Jay news because, well, some a bunch of stuff happened in the past two weeks. Um, yeah. Some people got fired. Some people are coming back. Uh, we're also going to go into grading the infielders as well. And uh, buckle up for some of you Blue Jays. I know all of them listen, by the way. I know all the Blue Jays listen to the podcast. Some of you aren't going to like your grades because... You were bad. Um, <laughs> let's just start off uh, the show here with Justin Smoke, though, uh, one of the Jays' best players. His option was exercised with, for the 2019 season. Um, good move? Bad move? Were you guys ready to move on from Justin Smoke, or are you happy he's coming back? I'm happy he's coming back. $8 million for 
uh, one of the best first basemen in the American League offensively is a bargain. And at this point, it's 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 looking like he's going to play out his contract. And if somebody like a Rowdy Telez is ready to come up next year and be the full-time first baseman for the 2020 season, then maybe we don't re-sign Smokey. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how it goes in 2019. He might have a great year. Maybe we'll give him another year or two. Uh, he's getting up there in age, though. He'll He's up into his 30s now, so those guys will start to decline pretty quickly, especially defensively. So I have a question for you, Patrick. What number is too high to pay Justin Smoke? Like, what dollar figure for you would be like, eh, I don't think we'd exercise this option for that much? Uh, I don't think I'd pay him over $12 million. Uh, We're getting him on a steal, and it's because he really wants to be in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And... He's still an all-star caliber first baseman. He's still got the glove. He's one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball. Uh, he's top 10. Isn't he top 10 in hitting? He should be. Yeah. Is he top, like, he something top around there. The, so, I mean, uh... we're not going to find anybody better out there. And uh, it's a it's a cheap option. And I know that Justin's thrilled to be coming back to the team. I don't know why I just refer to him by his first name. But whatever. Smokey is coming back. <laughs> And uh, even if the, the team isn't very good, uh, he makes for a great, very attractive trade piece. I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there. $12 million, I think that's his dollar figure right there. Because $12 million is that number where it's like, okay, you are good, but you're not, like, great. You know, mm-hmm. you're not, like, a franchise cornerstone player. He could be. I mean, he has potential to be a cornerstone player, but he's got to he's got to be way more consistent at the plate. He's he, he's way too streaky. But uh, twelve million dollars, I think that's where I cut it off too. Uh, on the flip side here, Yandreva Salarte option declined for the twenty nineteen season. At the beginning of the year, it looked like this guy was the new Minoru Kawasaki, and yeah. that he was going to be a fan favorite. Man, did this guy fall off a cliff, Patrick? Why did he play so bad in the second half of the season, and what do you think his future is going to be? I think what happened was uh, Salarte started off hot because he was just like he had nothing to lose by swinging for the fences all the time. And I think it just caught up with him. And eventually uh, his lack of patience got exposed. Uh, He swung at a lot of really bad balls outside the zone, a lot of strikeouts. A lot of really bad contact. I think just as mentioned before (laughs) that uh, the whole pop up in the infield thing was sort of his thing. 19.2% of his hits were infield fly balls. 20%? Yeah. That is gross. Yeah. That's so gross. Only 20% of his hits were line drives. That's bad. (laughs) Yeah, this, him getting the option declined and getting the $750,000 buyout is the worst thing ever to happen to his career because he gets that money, which is great, and he is retained by the Jays and arbitration eligible he can be non-tendered, yeah. uh, which means he just becomes a free agent. But it means that we're not paying him $5.5 million, and no one likely will ever again. So this is like, it's devastating for him as an individual player. Um, but, I mean, your value is low because you had a bad season and you should feel bad. <laughs> were there any positives to his game this year, Justin, in your mind? or The whole runs he hit. In the first two months of the year, that was about it, yeah. really. And then after that, there was a whole lot of disappointment. <laughs> he had some clutch home runs, I remember. Like, some really, like, timely home runs. And yeah. some cool celebrations. Well, and the boys loved him for a while. But 
He just disappeared. Eleven, like, eleven of his eleven of his uh, seventeen home runs came in the first two months of the season, ooh. and then after that, he only hit obviously six more. So. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Um, what would you pay Ian Jervis Solarte to be on our team? Uh, I I don't even want him. We don't need him. No, you wouldn't yeah. even give him like twelve I w- bucks. I wouldn't even. I'm just non tendering. You wouldn't give him point. like a hundred club Z points or something like that. Just <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Maybe a Sears card. A Sears card. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'd give him at least like a hundred dollar Boston Pizza gift card or something like that. Something Maybe he'd still use. <laughs> grab a couple schooners after the game or something. You know, twenty five dollar like, blockbuster video gift card. Something like I was more of a family <laughs> video guy myself. VHQ. Like, oh, VHQ. VHQ yeah. was way better than Blockbuster. Everyone always talks about blockbuster vhq had like way better snacks vhq had a way better game selection vhq was the place to be we the cuter uh, girls worked there too we had one in the town i grew in growing up called star vision video and then they had like every game for every system ever made i remember when i when the nintendo wii came out they were still renting mm-hmm. like nes video games wow. at that point they had everything remember great. family video with the b that was a good one mm-hmm. what do they have in the maritimes patrick are there any weird video stores or just blockbuster uh, well, actually, the last independently owned uh, video store closed up here two oh, years ago. It, it was called Video Difference hmm. uh, in Halifax. It was actually like a big deal. People were like, oh, man, I can't believe it's closing. But when you would ask them, they would say, oh, no, I haven't been there in years. <laughs> yeah. Netflix really killed those businesses. Oh, yeah. But but back home, it was Sydney Video, and there were like, five sydney videos in sydney it was ridiculous there were sydney videos everywhere you could rent whatever you wanted and one year i was supposed to rent the nintendo 64 for like the weekend and it was like a long weekend and they uh screwed me over (laughs) and then i stopped going and i just started going to blockbuster and was like all right fine (laughs) you should probably let go of that grudge man that's like a 15 year old grudge right there wow Uh, remember pick a flick video in saskatoon Mm -hmm. they shut down and they sold all their dvds for like a buck each so my dvd collection is now like just the tits i think the last movie i bought was uh (laughs) i am legend oh yeah 2010 2011 i got hot rod for a dollar there and hot rod Mm. is just so underrated back to the jays (laughs) um people who won't be back just like salarte uh jose fernandez claimed by the tigers who cares um, Justin Schaefer, Reiner Cruz, uh, Taylor Guerrero, Jake Patricka, all outrighted. I was yep. kind of surprised about Patricka. I wasn't. Everyone else, <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. But I thought we were going to give Patricka maybe another chance. Patrick, do you agree or do you think that, yeah, no, whatever? I kind of did, but then when uh, Justin pointed out uh, a while back that he was like, 30 or 31 or whatever i was like keep forgetting that that you can't you can't be you can't be a bad pitcher if you're bad at 31 like your career is bad is done (laughs) yeah that's it and like just he's not bad he's a major league pitcher like we're bad pitchers very low end for a major league pitcher he's bad yeah but uh i thought maybe we'd give him a flyer for another season maybe give him like the first month to prove himself and then maybe outright him to buffalo or something like that but uh yeah, regardless, all of those mediocre players don't play for the Blue Jays anymore. I'm hurrying through this because I know Patrick wants to talk about the next thing we're talking here. Yeah. Uh, Tim Leeper. Yeah, he gone. Oh, Brooke Jacoby. Yeah. Jacoby. Yeah, he, he gone. gone. Um, Patrick, just take it away. Just, you know what? You do you, buddy. You do you. First first off, we got to talk about Tim Leeper. Um, I don't know if his firing really means anything. I don't know. It seemed to me like a lot of the players had a connection with Leeper, but this is typical of a regime change. Uh, Somebody, whether they're good at their job or not, is probably going to get 
cut because uh, Montoya wants to pick his own staff. Leeper had been with the team since 2013. That's why people kind of have an affinity for him because he'd been around since uh, the good old days. <laughs> um, but that being said, finally, it happened. Brooke Jacoby fired by the Jays. Now, I thought long and hard about what I wanted to say about Jacoby before we started this podcast. And I got to say, it was really hard to write this up, but I'm actually not going to be mean to him. The truth (laughs) is that the firing is not surprising, and it's not indicative of a poor performance as a coach. We have to remember, Jacoby had been with the team since 2015, Uh, And before that, he was with Cincinnati for over a decade in various roles uh, with the major league team. Uh, He wouldn't have had a job for that long without being good at it. So if anything, his firing is just like uh, Lieber's, which is more indicative of a a regime change. But that being said, there's a huge problem in Toronto right now from the hitters. They're swinging way too much and not showing enough patience. I want to ask you guys, and obviously the people who listen to this podcast, is this Jacoby's fault? It's hard to say because he was the hitting coach during the years where everybody was crushing bombs and drawing walks. But then, starting in September 2016, something was going wrong with the hitting. We managed to survive to the ALCS, but then we got uh, thwomped by the Cleveland Indians. From there, the, the hitting deteriorated very quickly. Guys who are known for clutch hitting like Donaldson and Martin just completely lost their abilities. Martin is still out there swinging a plastic shopping bag. Uh, New players who are joining the team are strikeout machines like Teoscar Hernandez. So what's going on? Do we blame Jacoby? Do we blame uh, the the players? Who do we blame for this? Um, Whatever the case is, we can't have someone like Jacoby out there teaching Vlad and Bo Bichette how to hit because he's not good. He sucks. <laughs> it's time for him to go. And the other question I have for you guys is, you know, now that we're firing Brooke Jacoby into the sun and he will reside there for time eternal, who's the new hitting coach going to be in Toronto? Is it going to be a, an established player like Batista or Molitor, or is it going to be just some guy who knows sabermetrics really well that Montoyo knows, maybe from the Astros. Who knows? What do you guys think? I love how you started out being nice to Brooke Jacoby and it ended <laughs> being horribly mean to Brooke Jacoby. Like, I was wondering, I was like, there's no way he's going to be nice to him for this he entire speech. He can't do the whole he thing. He can't do the whole speech. That. He sucks. We're firing him into the sun. I was like, there we go. There yeah. we go. That's the Patrick Get the people what they want. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I'll let you bet lead off here. Okay. Uh, with regards to firing him, uh, yeah, I think it's it's just a, a part of the regime change. On the same note, it looks like Pete Walker might be sticking around as pitching coach, um, which we all are kind of – Patrick, I know how Patrick feels about it. Yeah. I'm kind of indifferent at this point. We've, we've seen an, a decent amount of coaching turnover already. Uh, it looks like DeMarlo Hale may not be back as bench coach either. They're looking for a way to keep him around, but they also hired a new bench coach. So he might go somewhere else in the organization or he may go somewhere else. Uh, but back to your point about the hitting kind of deteriorating a couple of seasons ago, th- that's been a theme across the major leagues. Strikeout numbers are up. Home run numbers are up. 
and walks are also technically still up. And those are called the three true outcomes right mm-hmm. now in baseball. And that's like a guy like Kevon Biggio. That's what he does. He strikes out, he hits extra base hits and he walks. His average is never going to be pretty. He's going to have high strikeout totals. And that's the same way with Teoscar Hernandez. He mashes the crap out of the ball. Mm-hmm. If he ever learns how to take a walk, he'll be like a, a, a three true outcomes machine. Uh, and that's just the way that the league is going. Unfortunately, we're, we're getting away from the days where you have two, three, four guys in your lineup batting over 300. We're getting more into the 240, 250s with 25 plus home runs. And that's just the way the league is right now. I, I don't think that's the way it has to be, but that's kind of the way things are right now. The current theme in the league is just mash the crap out of the ball. Mm. So I, I think we'll see a coach come in who is either A, an established hitting coach somewhere else, or B, is somebody we've never heard of as a, as a hitting coach, maybe a former player, who was a very good line drive hitter. That kind of thing has launch angles the whole thing right now, yeah. right? So, I mean, we'll, we'll get somebody who can't to come in who was a a great player or is b an established hitting coach i'm gonna compare the brooke jacoby situation to uh a situation here in saskatoon uh the head coach of the whl team here the saskatoon blades uh his name was dean brockman last year dean um coached the team very well at the start of the season Mm -hmm. they were killing it they had these two players libor hayek and cam hebig who were killing it cam hebig is in the ahl uh bakersfield i believe the oilers farm team and he's like yeah. leading the le- leading the team in power play points, he's playing great. Anyway, um, they traded them at the deadline, and the GM of the Blades expected Brock to still make the playoffs. <laughs> and it's like, man, you just traded my two best players, and he traded two other yeah. main pieces of the team. And he's like, man, still make the playoffs. And they didn't make the playoffs, so he lost his job. I'm not saying that the Jays GM, and I've been pretty hard on the Jays management here on this podcast, <laughs> but uh, I'm not saying that was the exact situation, but I think everyone just kind of thought, oh, Brooke Jacoby, like, make something good out of something not good. Like you know, <laughs> Everyone was expecting him to just be magical, you know, because when he first came in, Buck Martinez was all over Brooke Jacoby, like, in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. man, this Brooke Jacoby guy, he's changing the way the Jays approach the plate. Like, he's changing their mindset. He's giving them confidence. Yeah. And it started to go down. Downhill. And that's because our team started to go downhill. So just because Brooke Jacoby was killing it at the start with great players yeah. doesn't mean he's going to do great with not great players. Uh, and that yeah. means he's not that great of a coach. Because not great or great coaches, that's the sign of a great coach, is if you can make bad players good. Mike Babcock. Exactly. Brooke Jacoby couldn't do that, so that's why he lost his job. But I think that's a little unfair to ask of coaches, hey. Yeah. Especially yeah. guys like Brooke Jacoby who aren't like, you know, like, I mean, I know he was in Cincinnati for a long, long time. And he is a baseball guy. But, like, to ask him to do that with our team, we weren't that good this year. The last couple of seasons, it's like the the upper management kind of handed mm-hmm. him a turd and said, here, polish this turd. Yeah. A polished turd is still a turd. And, again, you also have to remember, too, <laughs> we're playing the Yankees and the Red Sox and, you know, pretty good teams a lot. And their pitching yeah. rotations are really, really good. And that's, that's hard to hit against, you know. Uh, when it comes to hitting coaches, Mark McGuire. You heard it here first. That's the sexy pick, guys. That's the sexy pick. Sexy. Big Mac coming to the Jays. There's a 0%. Larry Walker would be awesome. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. Patrick, would you like Larry Walker coming to the Jays? Uh, ooh. Yeah, I would, actually. I that awesome. kind of makes sense was, in a lot of different ways. I was keeping that one in my back pocket to huh? throw it out there when we got Just to as that. long as it's not Corey Kosky. <laughs> I'd rather have Larry Walker than Corey Kosky there. But, um, yeah, when it comes to hitting coaches, hitting coaches, is that, that's a tough spot. Yeah. Because, again, like, numbers don't lie. You're either a good hitting team or a bad hitting team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, pitching coaches, I guess, kind of the same thing. That's the thing with baseball, you know. It's a, it's a results-driven sport, and if you're not doing it, 
even though it's really, really tough and streaks happen, it's kind of the way she goes. But, uh, yeah, Brooke Jacoby, see you later. Tim Leeper, see you later. Troy Tulowitzki, not see you later. Um, he got reinstated from the DL. What do you think the odds are that he plays a full season with the Jays next year? Well, that move is only to uh, fill up the 40-minor roster. They had to do that. Mm-hmm. So once that once the Rule 5 draft is over in, in September, or December, sorry, he'll be placed back on the DL. Yeah. Um, same with Brendan Drury is probably likely the same boat. But Tulo says he's going to be ready for opening day, ready for spring training. That's what he told everybody. Uh, he didn't play all year. Yeah. The odds that he is a ready and plays a full season slim to none. Do you think, do you agree with that, Patrick? Well, it's, <laughs> it's a non zero percent chance yeah. that that could happen, but it's pretty fucking close to zero. I'd say somewhere between like, like 10 to 15. You guys got no faith in Tulo. Hey, See, he I, just I, had a whole year off and now he's going to have another like, whole off season off. I said, I said, I picked him, I picked him to start opening day in our, mm-hmm. when we did our projected lineups for next year, but I don't know if I believe he'll stay healthy for the full season. He hasn't been able to do that for years. His ankles, man. <laughs> his, his ankles his are done. Heels. Yeah, his ankles, yeah. his heels. His knees, whatever else. is He's just a broken dude. That lower half, I don't know how he's going to be able to field. Mm-hmm. Brandon Jury, is that a guy that we are excited at the fact that he's reinstated from the DL and might start next year? Like, Patrick, does Brandon Jury kind of maybe being on the opening day roster excite you at all? Or He won't be on the opening day roster. He'll be – he'll probably be triple A, but he'll be, like, one of the first four or five guys who get called up. So, like, we'll see him. We'll see about, like, 30 games from him, but that's it. Hmm. There's just nothing there. There's nothing worth ex- exploring. Uh, some other quick things before we get to uh, grading the infield here. Nate Pearson chucking 103 mile an hours. Mile an hours. <laughs> mile an hours. Miles an hour. <laughs> I talk for a living, too. Like, good God, mile an hours. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, his rehabbing go- is going well. Do you think he's still a year or two away, or do you think he – I mean, that's a good sign right there, but – He's two to three years away. Yeah. I mean, he's he pitched one – he pitched point two of an inning this year in – in the minors because he got took a line drive up the forearm and it broke his arm. So, I mean, he before the yeah. Arizona Fall League, he hadn't pitched since the first day of the season, basically. And that was in – I think he was playing in Dunedin, maybe, mm-hmm. in high A. So, I mean, the dude – it might have even been lower than that. But he's got he's got a pitch in the minors. He's got a pitch full seasons yeah. to get the, the workload up. Because, I mean, we even saw guys like Barucki who threw like 180 innings or something this year over, over all of the levels. Mm-hmm. And he said that he needs to keep working so that he can throw – 200 quality innings kind of thing yeah i mean a guy like pearson who chucks 103 like he's gotta get some work some work on that arm or he's gonna just tire out he'll be a guy he might be a candidate like aaron sanchez who starts in the bullpen for his first mm. half season or so in the big exactly league. what i was just gonna say yeah, was make, like it makes sense the right? perfect place for nate to start would be um middle relief. keep him in the bullpen or have him chuck as much as he can in the regular season uh of I guess it would be triple A that he'll end probably end up starting in. Um, have him down there and um, you know, when we need the arm, call him up, but have him exclusively in the bullpen to protect that arm. That way he can throw the hundred and three. Imagine him as a number uh, seven guy or, or like seventh inning guy coming out, yeah. chucking hundred and three miles an hour, and then we can come right back with uh, Tim Meza, who has outstanding control, and I believe uh, isn't Tim? Uh, Tim is a lefty, isn't he? Yes. 
So like it flips it. Uh, so go from a righty to a lefty who has good off speed stuff, a lot of control at the plate, and then boom, come back with Giles who also chucks uh, triple digits. I like I like that little that seven eight nine mm-hmm. setup. That could be that could be really interesting come August. I don't think we see that for another couple of years yeah. though. I, I think Pearson likely starts again in high A at least to start the season. He might only take like three, four, five starts there before he moves up to New Hampshire. I think he doesn't move past Double A next year though. He's got to get a full season of of pitching in, and then they'll worry about advancing him through the ranks. Buffalo's not going to be needing guys because they're gonna have a bunch of guys from that fisher cats team who are gonna move up kind of thing next this coming year from that championship crew uh so i think i think uh i think pearson's gonna be he's gonna be protected he's kind of like our our young 17 year old stud in in bluefield there uh, eric pardino from brazil who's was is one of our he's now our highest ranked pitching prospect in the organization um and he's 17 he's gonna be protected for a long time down in the minors so we've got some good a great young pitching talent that's going to be pretty exciting to see come through the school through the squad in the next three four years would have been nice to have a guy with like pearson when we had burley burley chucking 85, <laughs> 85 mile an hour muffins well, on the corner estrada too yeah when, when, when he was good right yeah and then throw in pearson with 103 like as a former oh, ball man. player i can say like that's tough it's Obviously really tough. really tough yeah. um we hired astros hitting coach dave hudgens as our bench coach Guy from the Astros, he's got to be good because the Astros yeah. are killing it lately. Well, I so. mean, the Astros, for the years he was there, I think it was four seasons, uh, had 110 WRC plus in their lineup. So their offense was 10% better than league average over the course of his time there. So, I mean, anytime your whole offense is better than league average by 10%, you're bound to win a bunch of ball games. You're worried about the coaching a lot, Patrick. What do you think about this guy? I think it's a great hire. It's uh, obviously a, a renowned hitting coach coming through a progressive farm system. The Astros are the cream of the crop when it comes to their coaching staff, and that's why uh, they and Tampa Bay are getting gutted now, and all those guys who are good for so long are now finding jobs elsewhere. So welcome to the team, Dave. Let's uh, end the Blue Jay talk here. Uh, well, not the grading talk, but the uh... – just the general Blue Jay news talk here with uh, two veterans here, Jay Happ and Russell Martin. Uh, there are rumors that the Jays are bringing back Jay Happ again. And it just seems weird. Like, we're always like, okay, bye, Jay Happ. I will welcome you back. I'll see you later. Uh, yeah. Welcome back, Jay Happ. Uh, do you think he's going to come back, Patrick, or do you think that he's going somewhere else? Or do we even want him back? Like, hmm. <laughs> uh, I'd be fine with him coming back. I think if we could get him on two years, that way he's – He'll be long gone uh, before the team is good again. You know, he's a guy who could put buttons, butts in seats. And uh, Hap loves Toronto. Uh, Toronto loves him. It's just, it just makes sense. Heart wants what it wants. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we'll see him back. But it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. We're not going to be competitive, and I mean, he's old. So I'd like to see Jay go somewhere he can win. I'm done with Jay Happ. Yeah. I mean, if we bring him back, it's like, oh. I want to go somewhere he, we, where he has a chance at winning. Yeah. He deserves that. I want to get some new blood in the team. He doesn't deserve bring, to lose all yeah, season. I don't want to bring back Jay Happ again, you know. <laughs> uh, Russell Martin, though, Jays are uh, looking to maybe eat some salary so they can trade Russell Martin. It's like half his contract, right? Like, isn't he due $20 million this yeah, season? Yeah, we'd probably have to pay about 12 of that, I'm yeah. thinking. It'd be over. It'd be over. It'd be probably 60%. And that's a good chunk of change, yeah. especially for a team like the Jays. I mean, the Jays are one of the richer teams in the league, but still, $12 million. Um, do yeah. you see someone wanting Russell Martin? I mean, I know there aren't a ton of great catchers out there, 
And I'm not saying Russell Martin's a great catcher by any means, but he's definitely an upgrade over some of the guys out there. But do you think a lot of teams are going to want to pay him that much money? If the Jays are willing to eat 12 mil or something and they like to pay him eight and they don't have to give away a ton of stuff in return, like maybe one prospect or something, I would maybe jump at it. I think the Jays are going to want a lot in return if they are paying no. for that contract. They are, they, the, the thing that to do is just offload, offload Russell Martin so that you can get Danny Jansen playing as much as possible. You can keep Luke Maley as a backup and then have Reese McGuire as the third slash rotating catcher between AAA and the majors when you need a third catcher. Um, so I, I think Russell Martin is just going to be if, – if somebody is willing to take him, he'll be gone. Patrick agreed. No, I don't want Martin to leave. And the reason why is because uh, he is the exact veteran that we want to have on this team coaching our young talent. Can you imagine how shitty it would be for the Jays to lose a veteran leader like that? Someone who definitely undoubtedly, has a, a managerial career ahead of him or has the potential to do that and to kind of burn the bridge with him by selling him off to another team. I just, I don't see it happening. I don't want it to happen. I'm I'm emotionally invested in keeping Martin on this team. It sucks. We might as well just eat the salary. It's only one more year. Uh, we're going to be bad anyway, so <laughs> whatever. I used to really like Russell Martin. Before I heard a story about him, and since then I've changed my mind on it, but I still kind of think about it because the story was from Greg Zahn. Um, <laughs> quick story here. Um, yeah. I was the MC at the Weyburn Red Wings uh, sports celebrity dinner. So junior hockey teams, uh, they'll pay some money for some notable sports personalities to come in, do like a hot stove kind of thing, answer some questions, do a couple speeches. They have an auction, raise some money for their team. Um on this occasion, it was Greg Zahn, and I don't know why the other guy is not coming to my brain right now. It's a very um, – he played D for the Edmonton Oilers, Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know why I can't think of him. He's like one of the most famous hockey players of all time. Great defenseman in the Gretzky era, playing D for the Oilers. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, me too. I don't know why. Paul, Co- Paul Coffey? Paul Coffey. Why did I not think of Paul Coffey? <laughs> Like he was on every curve of every Sherwood stick back in the day, but it was those two guys. And Greg's on. I was talking to him, and he was a few rise deep, as he always as is. he always seems to um, be. And he was like, you know what, Russell Martin has like a really bad attitude. And he was like, man, like he never stays after the game. Like he said, like one time, like after the game ends, Greg leaves, and it takes him like ten minutes to get from the concourse after they're done to the parking lot and he's gone. And that's like, he goes back to the studio and does whatever. Yeah. He said that one time as he was driving out, Russell Martin was the car ahead of him. Really? 10 minutes after the game. Wow. And it was like, wow. Cause Russell Martin has a custom license plate, you know? And he said that oh, happened yeah. like 10 times. Now at the time, Greg Zahn was a pretty big deal. Yeah. So I was, I took that as he like, was still employed. Oh uh-huh. man. I was like, Russell Martin, geez. And that's right when Russell started to struggle. So mm. I was like, does this guy, is he really a leader that we think he is now? Since all the stuff that Greg Zahn went through now, I'm kind of like, well, Do you maybe, Greg Zahn's, maybe Greg Zahn's full of shit. It might be full of shit. It's Greg Zahn and a lot of things he said wasn't true. I wonder how his YouTube channel is going. Oh, not great. <laughs> not great man. Doesn't get a lot of retweets. Doesn't get a lot of favorites. That guy's done. Like, and rightfully so, man. You can just, and even at that event, you can kind of tell he was a pig. Oh, yeah. You can just kind of tell going up to tables and just. Gee, not even we don't we don't even follow him on Twitter. The, and we follow everyone. Just the way that he talks to people, and you were just like, man, this guy. Yeah. I don't know about this guy. But even then, again, it was still Greg Zahn. He still covered the team. So I was like, man. 
maybe he's on to something here because Russell's not playing that well. Since then, I was like, okay, whatever. It just seems like Russell isn't that guy. So when I heard that story, I was like, I don't think that's true Greg's on, but I'll still believe you. But ever since then... Not really, because he seems to be such a such a happy guy and such a yeah. such a baseball kind of guy. But uh, we'll end it on that. Moral of the story: Greg's on sucks. I got some quick breaking news to bring to your attention. Uh, Rookie of the years oh. were announced tonight in the National League. To nobody's surprise, mm-hmm. it was Ronald Acuna Jr. His second half uh, stats were crazy. He, in the second half, he had 19 home runs. And his average was 322 for a rookie. And in the AL. Shohei Otani, Showtime with the big win for the oh, American hey. League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, his batting stats alone could have got him the Rookie of the Year. That's there, true. There really wasn't any other rookie in the American League who did enough offensively to not give it to Shohei, and mm-hmm. he also pitched reasonably well in his limited pitching time. Um, he's had Tommy John surgery, so he won't be he won't be pitching in, in 2019, but the rumor is he's still going to be allowed to DH, so mm-hmm. um, we'll see if the Angels keep keep him in the lineup every day because i mean his his bad enough was should keep him in the lineup on any major league team so yeah good for those two guys all right let's get to uh grading some infielders here here's how it's going to go uh we're going to talk about every infielder who played for the jays this season um and designated hitter exactly and designated <laughs> hitter i guess uh, we're going to be grading them based on their offense and defense we'll give them an overall grade uh injuries can be taken into account too yeah so if they were hurt it's like you know what don't get hurt um <laughs> hey. first guy up here rowdy telez uh, again, young guy, didn't really see a lot of playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you guys think of Rowdy? Let's start with Patrick. Man, if we didn't have such a sexy contract on Justin Smoke, I would want Rowdy Telez to be our like starting first baseman for the next like 15 years. You're a crazy guy. I, I, I love Rowdy. I, agree. I, love, I love the fact that he does not look like <laughs> an MLB athlete. <laughs> He's just a big boy. Where I don't know what what what's up with uh, our minor league prospects, but it seems like all of our dudes are juicy boys. <laughs> all our best <laughs> players are juicy. Thick. Uh, but no, but I mean uh, the twenty three games that Rowdy played, I don't think anyone could argue that offensively he was absolutely incredible for a twenty three year old who went through probably the toughest year of his yeah. life, going out there and just absolutely crushing doubles and home runs like it was going out of style. He gets an A plus for me offensively, defensively. Not good. Uh, I'll give him a C <laughs> just because. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's just the jitters or the yips. Who knows? Um, overall, I'm gonna give him a B. Hmm. I agree that I think that Rowdy Telez is our future first baseman because his name's Rowdy, man. I love that. His <laughs> name is Rowdy. Rowdy. Tell us what your name is. Rowdy. Ha. See oh, what I did there? God. Boom. That's that was a bad, bad move. Yeah, part. I know. Okay, <laughs> it was meant to be bad. That's why it's funny. Um, but again, his offense, I'm giving him an A for his offense. And again, his defense, it's a C, which means his overall is a B. But this guy's got a he's got a bright future with this team. Yeah. I I'm gonna give do a little disclaimer here. Uh any guys who had less than hundred plate appearances, I'm not gonna be handing out letter grades, but I'll still give a little spiel. You guys are crazy <laughs> a little bit. A lot, probably. So, Rowdy Telez struck out almost 30% of his plate appearances. He had 73 plate appearances in the big leagues, and he struck out 30% of them. Mm. His average was 314, but his ball batting average on balls in play, his BABIP was 391. Very unsustainable. He's never had a higher BABIP than 324 
in the minors and his power metric his iso went from 155 in buffalo to 300 in the big leagues so if you tell me that <laughs> Roddy telez suddenly learned how to hit for power twice as often you're barking up the wrong tree there i will say it was it was very pleasant to see him enjoy some success with when he actually made contact with the ball mm-hmm. um but I, I don't think Roddy Telez is a long-term future first baseman. We have guys in our minors like AKA Chad Spanberger, who I think are two to three times the player that Roddy Telez is, offensively and defensively. And Spanberger can also play the outfield, so that's a, that's a good asset to have too. At this point, he's playing corner. How many outfield. how many MLB home runs does Spanberger have so far? <laughs> how many does, Zero. But Telez only has four. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why four we're. More this than is a Spanberger that's character. A terrible, that no one knows who he is. Did you want to you know what uh, Spanberger's K rate is though? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> is Spanberger's name Rowdy? Then I, I didn't it's think so. Spanberger. That's pretty dope too. Yeah, but it's his last name. Yeah. Whatever. Everyone has cool last names. Don't have a cool first name ever. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyways, I. I'm no, I'm not on the same train as you guys. I'm not on that hype train yet. It's kind of like when Patrick was the only one on the Thomas Pannone hype train, and he has since repeatedly cycled on and off a few times. I'm gonna stay off this Telez train. Oh, it was only, I was only off once. I was only off okay. once. And it was that really bad start. <laughs> yeah, but you Rachel got off. Bell. You got off pretty quick. <laughs> okay, also, you have uh, you have four exhales so far, by the way. Oh, Justin, thanks. I <laughs> I'm gonna stay off this Telez hype train for another year and see what happens. So I'm not gonna give him any grades though. But I'll I'll say it was pleasant to see him because yeah, he did have a tough year. And I'm glad that he enjoyed some offensive success. All right. Our other first baseman here, Justin Smoke. I agree. Boo. Um, (laughs) Justin Smoke uh, had a really, really decent year at Mm -hmm. the plate. I guess we can say that. 25 home runs, 77 RBIs. Just kind of, yeah, you know, we expected a lot more out of him. Um, I'm going to give his offense a B. But you got to give his defense like an eight, right? So you you got to give him a, a a good solid defensive play because he is a great defensive first baseman. So we can give offense B, defense A for a uh, overall grade of a B plus. Hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, Patrick. I have some things to say. <laughs> All right. Uh, obviously, Smokey is. Uh, a top 10 first baseman in baseball right now. I don't think anyone could argue against that. Um, his OBP is still incredible, despite the fact that he really struggled uh, for average this year. Uh, defensively, top three in MLB. Um, he, no, he didn't win the Golden Glove um, for obvious reasons, uh, but uh, he's as close as it gets to being an immaculate fielder without being immaculate. So uh, he won't be our first baseman of the future, um, and his bat is inevitably going to start to decline sooner than later. I gave his offense a B- because I was really disappointed with what we saw last year, and if we were going to say last year was an A or an A+, obviously it has to be a step back. Defensively, A+, overall, A-, and I think that's one of the highest grades that I gave out for a player this past year. Okay. Uh, offensively, I agree with you guys. He had a good season. I'm giving him an A there. Defensively, I don't know if we're watching the same Justin Smoke this season, but his defense has definitely gone down a lot. We've talked about this before, but the, the Sabre defensive index, that's accounted for 25% of the gold glove selection. Uh, among AL first baseman, Justin Smoke was the seventh best defender. 
with a negative defensive impact. But what was Spanberger? <laughs> what was Spanberger on prob- that list? Probably in single A Lansing. <laughs> uh, and major leagues, he was like the eleventh best first baseman fielding wise. So I don't know why you guys th- or why Patrick thinks he's top three, but I'm not gonna argue with you. I'm just saying that yeah, he's not. Uh, defense got a B minus for me. While he's not making errors, like he only committed one error, but that doesn't make you a great feeler. There's other things that go into it, like his zone rating has gone down. He doesn't have the range that he did two years ago. Um, still, I mean, I'm not mad that he's over at first base. I'd mm-hmm. still rather have him than, than Rowdy Telez full-time because yeah. Smoke has at least the experience, and we need that leadership, especially if we trade Russell Martin. Please trade Russell Martin. We need, we'll need Smoke to be the elder statesman on the team kind mm-hmm. of thing. Him and maybe Kevin Pillar if we don't non-tender him. If there could be some big turnover in the leadership ranks. But, yeah, Smoke being plus overall for me. Um, hoping that we can insulate him in the lineup with a guy like a Vladdy Jr., perhaps. That'll help Smoke re- re- kind of get back to the years he had when he had Edwin, JD, and Bautista around him in the lineup, mm-hmm. helping him out. I think the reason why um, we disagree so much on Justin Smoke, again, I'm all about the sexy, and <laughs> Justin Smoke makes a lot of those cool, sexy plays at first base. He's got a cool last name. Again, he's got a cool last <laughs> name, and, uh, but he makes those like cool clutch plays, the cool digs yeah. and stuff like that, that aren't on the stat sheet. You're all about the stat sheet. So you're all about the numbers. We're I, about, I'm about kind of watching the play and being like, okay, that's yeah. a cool defensive play. That's why you're I love Kevin school. Pillar so much. Yes, he's not as fast as he used to be, but he makes those cool-looking catches. I don't think Kevin Pollard was ever fast. He makes the sexy catches, and yes, he was. Um, Kendris Morales, <laughs> uh, technically a first baseman. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah. We're not going to talk not, about We'll stay it. for the outfield episode. Yeah, uh, Kendris Morales, again, we can't really give him a defensive grade, so where's your guys' offensive grade here, Patrick? Uh, C+. Plus. I mean, he did better than we expected, but... Holy shit, he was bad. he was bad at the start of the year. Yeah. It was really really bad. Um he gets a C plus. So like not he doesn't deserve a B, but he doesn't deserve to be like a D, so it's got to be like somewhere in there. I'll get a C plus is fine. Yeah, I'm going to go with a B minus for him offensively. The good thing about Kendris is that he still he played in 130 games for us. When he did some some longevity at the position. He would have played in more games, except we gave the young guys a lot of DH time at the end of the year. His numbers between the first and second half of the season were pretty much identical average-wise and home run-wise, but his strikeouts were definitely a lot lower in the second half of the year. So I'll give him, I'll give, I'm giving him the B just for showing some improvement and not swinging for the fences on every pitch in the second half. I was going to give him a C, but I'll give him a C plus for the Suns Out, Guns Out, Kendris yeah, era. Out, I out. love the Suns Out, Guns Out, Kendris. Oh, he may was they, awesome. May that era live forever. Yeah. But unfortunately, <laughs> it did not because he changed up everything every two and a half weeks for yeah. some reason. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., uh, second, base, second base and shortstop. We're not going to do uh, both, like grade him as a shortstop and a second base. We're just going to combine them. Just aggregate So it. for the Jays that are kind of multi-position guys, it was kind of yeah. combined it all together. Uh, when it came to his offense, uh, 281 batting average, 11 home runs, 35 RBIs. He's not a power guy, you know, whatever. It's a 281 batting average. Not bad. Um what do you guys hope for Guriel's future? Hmm. Like what? Uh, what, do you th- what do you think? What do you think his goal should be for 2019? Improve Play defense. better defense. So his defense. So his offense isn't the problem. It's the defense. Defense. Oh, yeah. And patience. Yeah. 
Because how many times did he strike out this year? A lot. Fifty nine. <laughs> something like that. And he only walked nine yeah. times. So ratio. Ratio is not great. If you look, at, there's like a cutoff time for Guriel where the back, like I don't know if it was ten or twenty games of the season, he was he was awful at the plate, like awful, because he was batting well over three hundred until he hit this like cold streak, and it wasn't too long after the whole like multi-hit streak uh, started to die, mm-hmm. um, or like was coming to the end, his. He's got, like, I don't know how to explain this. He has patience at the plate, but it's not great. <laughs> like, it's I don't know how to say take it. A walk I like patience. that he swings. It's, yeah, He's got power. Mm-hmm. He just needs to not... I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um... He swings a lot of... A lot of pitches outside the zone that he can't make contact at. He doesn't have a good eye. And no, and I don't know if that's like, do we blame Brooke Jacoby? Do no. we blame the fact that he was riding that hot streak and he was desperate to get back to it? Or, uh, you know, like he was injured as well. He has utility at two different positions, but his defense right now is C plus, And that is me being extremely generous. But offensively, he could be what we expected Devin Travis to be. Hmm. Speaking of Devin Travis, he's coming up next. But first, the grading. Um, I am going to give Guriel B-plus offense, C-plus defense, overall B-minus kind of thing. Okay. Guriel has a lot to improve on. He's raw. He needs to be more polished. Yeah, so I'm giving him an A on offense. Um, I think Guriel has potential to hit for 300. I don't think his on base will ever be a 400 on base. He might be a 350 guy if he ever gets that walk rate up from the 2.5% that it's at right now. If you look back at his minor league career, he's never had a walk rate higher than 5 in the mm. season, and most of them have been 3s or 4s. So he's never gonna, he's never been a walk hitter, but he's got potential to hit 20 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, the, obviously that yeah that injury that he had in Chicago when he was on that big streak, um, really slowed him down. He did come back and have a decent September, um, but he's going to be a second baseman. He's not a shortstop. We we saw him look terrible at shortstop. He has the arm strength, but he doesn't have the accuracy to play short. Mm-hmm. So I think if you put him on second, obviously the second base side is closer to first. So you you put him on that side, and he he definitely played better there. Um, in, in, in fewer innings, but I thought he, he profiles more as a second baseman, which helps him and his chances of sticking around because we have Boba Shack coming off at short, yeah. who is, and maybe Troy Tudowitzki, who's still around. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so there's, I'm giving him a, a C minus on defense for an overall of a B minus. Um, but again, like if, if I was just getting him as a, as a second baseman, he'd probably get a C plus for defense, but overall the shortstop really dragged him down. Gotcha. Next guy up here, Devin Travis. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as Bill Lumberg would say, yeah. Uh, yeah. Batting average 232 this year. He didn't even have that much pop in his bat because no. he never really played a lot. 11 home runs in 103 games. He played in a career high 103 games, though. Oh, man. Um, I just think his time with the Jays is over. So, I mean, there, I don't think there's any point of giving him grades, but C-minuses across the board. Because he was just so disappointing, he would just flash – 
so much brilliance in his early uh-huh. Jay's career. It was like, man, this guy's going to be a stud for us at second. Yeah. And it just never worked out. And that's what happens. You get hurt. I don't think it's his fault. It's just he's so broken down. His shoulders are toast. His, his legs were starting to go. It's just like, you know what? He's got a bad knee. Yeah, and that's the thing. His defense wasn't like it wasn't like he was a... Uh, an Orlando Hudson playing second base, you know, it wasn't like he was making all these snags. He had some holes in his defensive game, so I think yeah, yeah C minus across the board for me, Patrick. Yeah, Devin Travis was is like a mega disappointment. Um, he's not great at anything, and he's not bad at anything. He's just below average second baseman. Uh, hopefully, he gets a, a chance somewhere else uh, and maybe tries to bounce back. Maybe he could stop swinging at everything. That might help him. Yeah, no, I gave him bad ranks too. C minus offense, a D on defense for an overall D plus. I will say one thing. Um, according to the ultimate zone rating defensive metric, this was the first season of his career that he actually had a negative value, but it was negative twelve and a half over hundred and fifty games versus his career high, which was five point six, so, which was last year. So his defense was terrible this year. If he fell off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just all agree that Devin Travis He's probably he done will no longer be a Blue Jay. Uh next guy up here. Johnny Hustle. Why is he even on the list? Because he played. <laughs> played four games. I know. John... <laughs> that's that's and that's why my thing of saying incomplete. Like there's there's no rank for a yeah. guy who didn't have a hundred plate appearances. I'm still unsure on how to say this guy's last name correctly. Birdie. Is it Birdie or Bertie? Yeah, it's it's Birdie. Bertie? Oh it's my Birdie. god. Johnny Hustle. It's a career. He's 28. He's played in the minor leagues with with our system yeah. for his entire minor league career. The guys love him. Like he's had some injuries that have yeah. slowed him down. He's he's still stolen a ton of bases. He's the all time New Hampshire Fisher Cats leader in stolen bases and doubles too, I believe, because um, he's played in the minors for so long. Yeah. But the guys down there love him. And I think having a guy like this who just loves baseball that's a great asset to have in your organization. Because who takes the younger players under their wing? John Birdie. I guess. He's like their dad down there. He's 28. <laughs> he's like these 18-year-olds <laughs> yeah. and 19-year-olds and Vladdy and Bo who came through New Hampshire. He's their dad. That's that's Papa Birdie. Well, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not giving this guy a grade. No, Justin's we're not. Giving not. Him a grade. Patrick, you giving him a grade? Um, A plus in our hearts, but we kind of have to give him an incomplete because yeah. we only saw him for four yeah, games. Yeah, four games. He had 15 play appearances. Now, again, speaking of no games, Josh Donaldson. <laughs> Oof. Um, doesn't play for us uh, anymore. How many games did he play for us this year in total? Uh, less than 20. 36. For us, he played 36 games? Yeah. Doesn't seem like I don't think he played 36 games for us. I was going to say three. Yeah, it sure felt like a lot less, but I guess they were all at the start of the year, and he came back that one time after his dead arm stint. Yeah. All, uh, that seems like forever uh, ago. I, sorry, he played 26 for us. Okay. I'll never, this... ever forget that first throw in that first game. Of this season, and the way he threw it, and I was just like, "Oh, to like a twelve-year-old." Oh, this isn't good. And then I just knew that was the beginning of the end. Um, what are you guys gonna do for Josh? I'll let you guys go first. I'm not grading him. You're not grading him. <laughs> I, oh yeah. Like, are we are we grading just his time in Toronto? Because if so, like I I can't remember Josh Donaldson's last play appearance. I can't it seems either. Like three years ago at yeah. this point. I remember him when he won the MVP. That's mm-hmm. what I'm gonna choose to remember. But his time in Toronto. And other than that, this season didn't exist. I'm a happy trails, Josh. I hope you get better and are healthy and find success somewhere else. Patrick, you grading him? No, I mean, <laughs> he he was a C at best in his limited time. Obviously, the dead arm thing sucked. Uh, yeah, hopefully he finds a team that's willing to pay him a shitload of money to be mediocre because that seems to be what his new thing is. Oof. 
You guys can go kick rocks. He's getting an A plus for me because he put us back on the map and he got rid of Cement Head for us. We're so regretting this season. Clayton. We are in forever <laughs> debted to Josh Donaldson. He banked about ten years of A pluses for what he did in two seasons. So I'm going into his A plus bank and I'm giving him He's a couple got the, A pluses. Uh, a plus punch card. Exactly. He just one punch. Exactly. <laughs> you guys are too hard, my boy. Come on, uh, Gio Urshela. Or Ursula, whatever you want to call him. Uh, third base shortstop kind of guy. Breakout from AAA. He's got a unique skill set, but he's so raw. Again, he's kind of like Guriel. It's just kind of like, yeah, you know, is he going to work out? Is he not going to work out? Uh, Justin, no grades from you, but what are your thoughts on him? Solid defender. Uh, needs to learn how to hit. He's kind of, he's one of those classic Ryan Goins types guys that we seem to bring up through our farm system mm-hmm. that have great they're great athletes uh Anthony Alford is in that category right now who yeah is a great fielder but just hasn't figured out the bat yet and is still a highly touted prospect but Urshela at this point he's 26 he still hasn't figured out with the bat he's a he's a minor league player for yeah. his career agreed yep <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, good talk. <laughs> Moving on. Um, yeah, Jervis Solarte. Oh, this should go. be fun. The roast. Uh, again, he played all over the infield, so at Unfo- least he's got unfortunately. that. Unfortunately, at least he's kind of versatile. So he can play third, yeah. second, shortstop. Um, he had 54 RBIs, 17 dingers, uh, a 226 batting average. Oof. Uh, his on base percentage is even bad. 277. Uh, he's 30. I didn't realize he was 30. And um, man, again, he came out guns a blazing. Man, yeah. this guy came out hot, and it was just like sweet. We got a new star, and it did not end that way. Um, Patrick, I'll let you go first on old uh, Salarts here. Oh boy. The only thing I want to say at this point about young Hervis Salarte is that there's always Japan. <laughs> oh God. Because he's I, not going to find an MLB team that's going to pay him to bat 226. And defend very poorly. I mean, yeah, he's got utility, but you don't, you can't stick him anywhere without him hurting you on defense. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, like, he, his fielding percentage is good, but that, uh, like that we talked nothing. about, that's not, that's not everything. Yeah. It's not the only thing that matters. That's just on um, baseballs he actually got to. Yeah, he, I would say, like, he is an average defender. Um, I was very generous with him because I felt bad for giving him a D-plus on offense. Honestly, this is a fucking disastrous campaign for Solarte. I, there's nothing wrong with checking out, the, you know, pro, pro League in Japan, the Nippon League. Check it out. They play with a smaller ball, which might cause him to strike out more but i think fans <laughs> in japan would absolutely love his like raw power i just think he would do really well the over way there he claps his hands when he hits a home run they would love that they would eat that up. oh yeah for me he's getting d's across the board you know what d pluses for his start okay i'll give him a plus on his d's <laughs> that sounds like a rap song <laughs> plus on my d's, d's. <laughs> um i will um i'll give him a d plus for the way he started the year across the board yeah, I gave him a D minus on defense just because I didn't want to hand out an F. I would have felt bad handing out an F. But yeah, D on offense, D minus on defense. I'll give him a D just to send him on his way, give him a little slap on the ass, mm-hmm. kick him out the door. And that is the last time we'll ever talk about Yan Jervis Solarte. Except when he gets non tendered, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, Brandon Jury, again, he kind of played a little bit Incomplete. of outfield as well. But uh, again, did we see enough from Brandon Jury that we can really grade him at all? Like, what do you guys think his goals for next year should be? Health. Uh, f- learn how to hit. Just stay healthy. 
he's been a great yeah. hitter in the minor leagues. And I mean, we didn't really see a healthy Brennan Drury for more than six, seven games mm-hmm. before he got hurt. Uh, yeah, stay healthy next season. He may start as a Jan Harris-Solarte type player who plays multiple positions, or he may start in AAA and work his way up. It's going to be interesting. There's, there's, it's a dogfight for our infield these days. Yeah. We have too many guys that we won't even talk about tonight uh, because they're not in the big leagues yet. But it's going to be – spring training is going to be so much fun to watch, and the early season AAA Buffalo Bisons are going to be a fun team to watch too. Oh, yeah, big but time. Brennan Drury, stay healthy. Work on that this offseason, get in game shape, and then see what happens in spring training. Speaking of uh, a dogfight in the infield here, a yeah. Miss Diaz, I think this guy is going to have to not work his butt off to get a spot on the, on the team next year, but like a starting spot. Oh, God. Because, again, I have said it before, and I'll say it again, he is the next Ryan Goins, just kind of plug and play when people are hurt and need to break. Except he's he can he's hit, great though, for that. which is good. Yeah, he's great for that. And I thought he was pretty good for our team. Yeah. Like, I thought he was great, but just with all the young talent that we have in the minors right now, it's just tough to see where he fits. And that's the only thing wrong with him right now. It's mm. not him. It's not his fault. It's yeah. the system <laughs> because we got so many guys coming up here. I mean, in 130 games played, he had 18 home runs, 55 RBIs, whatever, 263, 303 uh, on base percentage. His defense was great. Like, he was such a good defender. He was very solid. Um, he had some times during the season where at the plate he looked fantastic, mm-hmm. um, but he has to maintain everything. Yeah. And I think that's the big problem. We have guys in the minors who are looking like they're consistent players, and he's not one of those consistent players. Patrick, I'll uh, I'll let you grade a lead miss here. What do you think? Uh, I th- I gave him the highest grade out of any of our players uh, in the infield this year. Um, not by much. Uh, I gave him an A and I gave Smoke uh, an A minus. Uh, even though he was a bit of a roller coaster at the plate, he was definitely, in my opinion, the MVP because out on the the infield, his defense is extremely strong. A little BP work is going to help him get the power back in his bat. Maybe stop uh, striking out as much. We've we've already talked about this a uh, hundred times this episode. Um, I expect him to be the everyday shortstop in 2019, assuming uh, Troy Tulowitzki is done haunting uh, Dunedin and he, he's done haunting Toronto and he's just going to pack his bags and go home. Um, yeah, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We all watched the same games. Diaz was our best infielder defensively. Like, we're not, that's not like uh, an illusion that actually happened. So, I mean, I don't know. Prove me wrong. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on the uh, defensive side of the ball, and obviously the 18 home runs he hit career high. Uh, actually, a better defender at third base than at shortstop, statistically speaking. Um, I had him as a starting opening day third baseman because of service time with Vladdy Jr. He won't be on opening day unless the team decides to say screw it for the extra year of control, which would be crazy. Um, so we'll see him start on opening day at short or third base, one of the two, and whichever position is vacated when Vladdy comes up, uh, Diaz may work his way into his starting role, at least for the first part of the season, and he'll obviously be in there a lot of the time platooning with like a Guriel or somebody at second base mm-hmm. if needed. He didn't play any second base for us this season, but he definitely could. I mean, if he can play short and third, he can play second base. So, I mean, I gave him a B-plus on offense, an a, a, a on defense for an overall of A-minus. I, I can see why Patrick gave him 
a high rank on like the A plus on on uh, defense. He definitely deserves a high grade for the for the play that he did put in. And kind of just one of those guys who just he kind of flew under the radar, but he was very very solid mm-hmm. for us. I was shocked at first when you said it like he had our highest grade or your highest grade, Patrick. And I started thinking about it. Who else are you gonna give it to? Yeah, our our infield in general. Just scrolling through this list is kind of depressing. <laughs> like. Started off with Justin Smoke, you're like, oh, okay, and then it keeps going, you're like, huh, okay, this is this is yeah. it, hey, this there's, is there's, it. There's a lot of help lot is of on the way though. Help yeah. is on the way. Um, I think I'm gonna give him the same as Justin B. B plus for offense. His defense is great and A. Yeah, give him an overall as an A because he exceeded everyone's expectations. I Definitely. think if he did oh, this, yeah. I think if he did the same thing next year and didn't improve, his grades go down because it's like, eh. Okay, man. Whatever you got to get, because you got to get better, especially uh, at that age. You got to get a little bit better. But no one expected yeah. this from a Ledmus Diaz. I'd be fine with a utility infielder putting up these numbers every year for his career. No, he's got to put up Spanberger numbers, man. These aren't <laughs> these aren't acceptable, man. These aren't acceptable. I can't wait till Chad Spanberger gets to the big leagues and just wows you guys. Yeah, I can't great. wait for twenty twenty four either. Uh, Richard Urena. <laughs> uh, let's talk about him. Um, that was a boom. Is it hot in here? Way. Am I on fire? <laughs> you know? Oh man. Uh, no, it's you know what? This is how I feel with Kevin. Pilar, guys. That's <laughs> how I feel. Uh, Richard Arena, 40 games played, so I guess we can give him a little bit of I'll a... I'll give him a grade, Give actually. him a little bit of a grade, but uh, yeah, I bet at 293. Uh, not a power hitter, obviously, yep. but um, he was great in AAA. Uh, second baseman or shortstop, where do you guys kind of see him as his future role? He's a shortstop by trade. Again, we, we know how many shortstops we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his numbers in the big leagues were unsustainable. Like his BABIP was 424. That's why his average is 293. Like he hit 216 in Buffalo this year, guys. 216. And he hit 293 <laughs> yeah, in the but... He's another Telez guy who came up in garbage time of the season, and he he was up a few times during the year. A great defender. I'll give him that much. Like he he's a solid defender. C. I gave him a C. Good enough. He didn't see that much time. Give him a B on offense for what he did this year. At his best, a contact hitter, as Patrick or. You maybe you said that, um, and then at his worst, he's got a high K guy. He's never going to be more than a Ryan Goins replacement player. Um, probably a better fit at second base, just because of his arm strength isn't as good as other options that we have. So I mean, he's going to be the guy who filters up if there's ever one or two injuries on the infield that he can come in and play defense and bat ninth in the order. But other than that, that's him, Patrick. I I. Don't agree with this garbage time assessment. Garbage. I, think I don't either. You you can't just insulate like legitimate plate appearances and legitimate production. You can't. We can't just be like, oh well, he just he just happened to show up and he got he faced all these easy pitchers. That's not what happened. He did though. <laughs> no, no, but he didn't. <laughs> His best month His of the season was in like, September. And who do you pitch and who do you play against in September? A lot of other AAA players who are up. What are you talking about? We played, <laughs> we played the Yankees and Boston multiple times. Yeah, in he didn't play We're against. Definitely playing. He didn't for play against spot. them though. That's, that's well, who did he play against? Because he had forty Baltimore. games played. That's a quarter of the season. <laughs> yeah, but eighteen of his games were in September when we had series against teams who weren't pit playing their best players anymore. No. All right. Well, yeah, take us through the lineup then. How did he perform against team? Like, what teams did he face? <sighs> We're not spending this much time on Richard Urena, are we? Well, then. Then Justin needs to sit down for a minute and just let me <laughs> let me break it down for you guys, okay? 
At the beginning of the year, Urania, as far as our depth chart goes, uh, when it comes to shortstop prospects, probably not very high. Um, I think hopes were high that he would still be as good as we expected him to be back in 2016. Uh, but, you know, he's only 22 years old, and he was able to come up and hit around 300 against major league pitchers for 25% of a season. That's not nothing. It's not fair to dismiss that. He gets an A for his offense for me. He accumulated very strong contact numbers. Uh, defensively, eh, I gave him a B-. minus. Uh, he's obviously, if he's going to be anywhere, it'll be utility. So shortstop, second base, third base. Uh, he didn't get enough time at any one position to really be us, us to be like, whoa, this is a problem. The kid is fast. He brings stolen bases to our team that we didn't really have. Um, his numbers probably are unsustainable. I'll give you that one there, uh, Justin. <laughs> Well, you uh, recalculate your, oh, no, your grades here while I drop some knowledge right. on you. But listen, th this kid is only 22 years old. He's only going to get better. So I'm interested to see whether or not he'll become the Ryan Goins uh, of, of this team or whether or not there's something here. And I'm starting to think that maybe there's something here that we're missing. And that we haven't talked about or haven't thought about until now. It seems like we have like five future Ryan Goins on our team. We yeah, always make we that do. comparison. Oh, he's the next it's Ryan Goins. That's something guys. that that's that's a name that Blue Jay fans understand. <laughs> I just I he's such a he's such a middle of the road guy. I don't know. Like again, it's just one of those. Yeah, he could be good. He could be bad. Who knows? You yeah. know, it's too early to tell. Hasn't done anything special. Hasn't done anything bad. I'm really sitting on a fence with this guy right now. He hit two thirty five against the Yankees, by the way. And 17 at bats, right? And they're they were the best team in the division, uh, or second best team in the division. A team, uh, fourth best, fourth best point. team in the American League. But yeah, you're right. No, he he was terrible. He was. Come on. He wasn't. I'm not saying he was terrible. He's just not. He's not going to be good. He's, he's never been good. Why would he all of a sudden figure it out in 40 at bats he's, in the majors? There's no he's way. He's 22 years old. Yeah, but he's never done anything since 2013. He's never done anything. To warrant being a major league player in the minor leagues, except Never once. he batted almost 340 games played this season. But yeah, you're right. He's yeah. done. He's done nothing. Okay. Yeah. Well, his WRC plus in in uh, Buffalo 61. Are you saying that's a major league ready player? No. He bat 260. I, in I know what he did. Here. I know what he did when he was playing major league baseball yeah. this year. But that doesn't we matter. Ravi Telez did the same thing, and they're count. both unsustainable. It doesn't matter what they did in the majors. But his name is it's, Rowdy, and this guy's uh, name is Richard. It really doesn't it's matter. Tw unless, it's twenty-five percent of an MLB. Unless season, he can show me nothing. or anybody for that matter that he can do this over a season in the minors, why would we even warrant looking at these numbers? It doesn't make any sense. And saying this is how he's going to be, no. It's unsustainable. Incredibly unsustainable. We have to disagree more often because it's great when we do. It's absolutely great. We're all friends. Yeah. But at the same time, it is great when we disagree. <laughs> it is so fun. That's what they teach you in radio school is, hey, yeah. the more you disagree, the better it is. Just a guy, he hit 40, 41% of his hits in the major, or his contact in the major leagues was were ground balls. 30% fly balls, 28% line drives. Unless he can get the ground ball percentage down 
near where his line drive percentage is and his fly ball percentage a little bit lower so that line drive percentage comes up he's, he's not going to succeed I mean his line drive percentage in the big leagues is higher than it ever has been in the minors so I, that shows you I mean yeah the guy hit well for 40 games but what have you done for me over the course of your five years in the minors not a lot not that he's anyway. 22 years I know, old but I Justin. still think you're this guy why are we even valuing Richard Urania anything at best he's probably the 10th best shortstop in our organization I would say he's a little higher than that <laughs> I'm exaggerating yeah, but we have we have Ledmus Diaz is a better shortstop than, yeah, than I him mean, Troy Tulowitzki is arguably still a better shortstop than Richard Urania based on his career if we're looking at numbers it's definitely Troy Tulowitzki who's better and then Bo Bichette is obviously an uh, mm-hmm. upper echelon Logan Warmoth Jordan Groshans Groshans Kevin Vicuña. We've got guys Groshans. all over our our minor league system who are I would rank six miles of shit higher than Richard Urania. Richard Urania is at the bottom for me. I don't even care about him. Like we could, I, Richard Urania could say oh, he's been traded to somebody. We can include him in a Russell Martin trade for all I care. I love the, <laughs> and send him uh, send him on a rocket into the sun. I, I would not the miss contrast. him at all. I love the contrast <laughs> where pa- or Patrick just loves the guy. I don't know why. I can't understand the future. I can't understand. He's awful. It's just such a there's no meat in the middle like there's no like okay i'll give you that he's okay at this i just love it it's just i can't understand the love for a guy with 40 big league appearances that were or that were great versus the guy like rowdy telez who we all agree we all like the guy but that's because in, at least in the minor leagues he showed some potential to do wh- what we kind of expect of him in the majors which is hit home runs look really awesome running the base pass and be a serviceable defender. Whereas Richard Rania, yeah, he might be a great defender, but I don't expect him to go out there and hit 293. I expect him to hit 216 like he does in the minor leagues every freaking year. To be fair, <laughs> Richard Arena had two stolen bases this year. <laughs> That's probably two more than Justin Smoke had. To be fair, he had two stolen bases. So Was that, was that in the major One or last Buffalo? word, Pat. You get one last word on Richard Urania. <laughs> There's there's nothing else to be said, man. His his in the time he was in MLB, he was great. I think going into spring training, he has momentum on his side. Yeah. Again, he's 22 fucking years old. Let's give him a chance. <laughs> it's not like we're gonna be good next year anyway. Who yeah, gives a shit? But I still want to see us put on the best players possible. And if Richard Urania is on the opening day roster, let alone in the lineup. I don't know if I can continue being a Blue Jays fan at that point. All right, next up, Gift and Gorke. Mark it, mark it down. If he is on that roster, you are no longer Jays fan. I will fan. go cheer for the New York Yankees. Okay, I could have oh. taken any other team there than the New That's York That's how Yankees strong then. I feel about Richard Rainey not I being on the roster. I could have taken any other team. I could have taken I don't the understand it. <laughs> I could have taken. I could have taken Colorado. I'll go cheer for I, the San Diego Padres. They've got money. They might sign Bryce Harper. We'll see what happens. The San Diego Padres are not going to sign They have sign money, Bryce man. Harper. I don't know. Dark horse. And all I know about San Diego is they go to lacrosse team now, and that's that. That's about it. Uh, Gift and Gope. Yeah. Incomplete. Well, <laughs> Let's yeah, move sorry, on. Sorry, Gift. Here. We man. spent too much time with Richard. Yeah, we... The only thing about Ngope, I remember when he came up. I remember from the movie Finding Nemo when Dory can't read and oh, she yeah. sees a scoffe. A scoffe. I was like, Ngope. Ngope. And means gift. Yeah. So gift, gift. Yeah. Oh, his the only gift to us was getting sent to the minor leagues and never coming back. Yeah. Uh, Captain backup Luke Maley. Um yeah. Oh, times Luke Maley. Man, was he a stud. And, like, not to be too muddy ball scout guy here, but he looked like a ball player. 
Remember that money ball when <laughs> yeah. they're sitting there? Looks like oh, a ball looks player. Like a ball player. Yeah. He has the look. Body. Yeah. Great good body. Great body. Swing, swing. You know, as Pat like Tather just... would say, he's got really soft hands. Yeah, but the thing is, like, in, <laughs> like there were some clutch moments and some great hits from him. But and he took some walks. It, good for Luke. Yeah, 248 average, though. Yeah, you know, no power. He's got 27 RBIs, which wasn't bad for a backup catcher, I guess. <laughs> Defensively, pretty solid, solid, you know, not bad. But I think we can all agree here, you know, offense needs some work defensively, whatever. <laughs> Do you guys remember uh, in the season when he was hitting, like, 350 or whatever no, it was? it was, like, 418 or something was, like that. It was crazy. Yeah, he was batting over in, 400 in April, in April, he hit 350. But I remember his BABIP was like 478. We were all like, wow, yeah. like this guy's due for some regression. The future. And, and I mean, he even had a, oh, I guess he only played in seven games in September, but I was going to say he batted over 400 in the seven. He only had 20 plate appearances. But I mean, the middle of the season was pretty shaky for Luke. His best best month batting average after April was 222 in August. Um, oh. So you can see what he did over the middle of the season. He was Him and Russell Martin were really duking it out to see who could be, put up the worst uh, catcher performance. The good thing for Luke is that he started off so hot that it was very unlikely that his average was ever going to yeah. fall as low as Russell's was for the whole year because Russell yeah. started out hitting in Randall Gritchuk territory. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, for Luke, he's a backup catcher. Solid. I mean, I think Patrick and I both have him with the same same grades. You can make a three. I have the exact same. Yeah, grades as C well. plus overall, B on defense, C on offense. I mean, and his walk rate was nice for a, for a guy who had never done that in his career. So, I mean, hopefully Luke um, continues to do that. Because, I mean, I have no problem with the guy like Luke Manley being a backup catcher because that's the kind of numbers he puts up. You hit the nail on the head. He's a backup catcher. Yeah, for and sure. He does great for being a backup catcher. Patrick, you have anything to add? But he's only 27, you guys. He, um, <laughs> listen, Do we? are we really going to go back and, and think more about Richard Urania? I got to take some digs. A few digs. That's fair. No, look, uh, obviously catchers need to have great eyes, uh, not only for framing pitches, but also uh, being an adequate bat in the lineup. Uh, Luke Melee is a decent backup. Obviously, his numbers were unsustainable. Uh, he did commit six errors behind the plate in 66 games, so one every 11 games. Not too wild about that. Uh, he only ca- uh, caught 16 out of like 53 guys uh, trying to steal. I think that works out to like, oh, someone help me with. It's like 29 or 30 percent. 30 or like close to that. Yeah, 32 something. Yeah, like that. that's above league average. That's good enough. Which yeah. is cool. Which is good. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was able to generate some. You know, quite quite a few putouts. I I don't know. Like, I don't really care about Luke Melee anymore. <laughs> he obviously has no power in his bat whatsoever. So I don't know what to expect from him. I'd rather every start that he got this year. I wish Danny Jansen had gotten instead. All right, let's move on to Russell Martin. Then he played everywhere, uh, left field even, <laughs> and shortstop. But third base, he was actually. Not bad. He tried to do the Will Ferrell thing in spring training where he yeah. played, for, played for different teams at a different position. Yeah. That's what Russell Martin tried to do at the end Didn't of the season. too bad. Uh, hitting, <laughs> yeah, we all know his struggles at the plate, 194. Yeah, Oof. so obviously that means his offense was bad. But his defense, again, he's a great defensive catcher. Um, his tenure as a catcher is great. He's had a great career. I can't give him a bad grade because... Is he... 
like Joe Maurer, where he's going to move out from behind the plate and extend his career a little bit. Speaking of Joe Maurer, thanks for a great career, Joe. Yeah, I don't think anymore. I think he has one year. I think Russell has one, maybe two years left. Because he can't hit the ball. Like, yeah, I mean, as as poor as his average was, at least he had to get on base percentage, yeah. right? He like, walked. Johnny Mack can't hit the ball, but at least he is unbelievable in the field. Yeah. But it was, you can't hit the ball, and you're okay in the field. Yeah, you're not gonna. Last you got to have long. some offensive production from your yeah. catcher's position, and, and and good on Russell for still drawing a lot of walks mm. and and getting on base because that was his contribution to the team, uh, offensively, just being on base, and that kept his WRC plus the respectable ninety one. I mean. For a guy who hit 194, you do expect that number mm-hmm. to be a lot lower. And he still contributed a .6 wins above replacement. So he was better than a replacement-level player yeah. some way, somehow. Um, and and thankfully, I mean, he was willing to play 21 games at uh, first ba- or third base, and it, it kind of gave him a reason to be in the lineup. Uh, yeah, I poor Russell. I mean, D on offense for me. I feel bad giving that to him, but you got, you got it for the batting average. If I could get him just done on base, he'd definitely have an A. But unfortunately, you got to be able to hit the ball as a major league player. I'll give him a B on on defense just for versatility for an overall of a C, which is probably more than he deserves. For me, it's uh, offense D minus, um, defense A plus. Man, he's thirty five and he's playing all over that all, all over the field. And plus, like he's still a great defensive catcher at thirty five. His knees are probably jello. Yeah. And like for him to do that, and I used to play catcher back in the day, so I have a soft spot for catcher. So I'm gonna give him again D minus offense, A plus defense, give him a C plus. Patrick, what do you got? That's all over the map. Um yeah. offensively I give him a C minus because I do I mean he did hit ten home runs, uh, and he does draw a lot of walks. Um, but at the same time there, right? <laughs> I mean a broken clock is right twice a day. So, I mean, if you're swinging as much as Russell Martin does at the plate, you're going to connect at some point. <laughs> um, the the eye, I don't know what he, he was. He was just a strikeout machine. It was really, it was scary. Uh, and it makes me really sad because he's very likely uh, to get dealt, and I don't want that to happen because I think he's the mentor that Danny Jansen could really use in the next couple of years. Um, this will probably be Russell Martin's last MLB season. Uh, nobody in the right mind is going to pay him any more than like $7 million to play. And, you know, he'll collect his, his big paychecks this year and, uh, probably bounce right back to Toronto as a, uh, probably the battery coach in the bullpen to start, uh, work his way up. And I think he could be a manager someday. All right, our two catchers of the future, if you will, Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire. We'll start with Danny Jansen. Uh, two forty-seven batting average came out hot. I mean, I think we all remember him for his hitting streak that he had. It was uh-huh. it was great. Uh, defensively, I think he could learn a thing or two from Russell Martin. He has some quirks in his game where you're like, yeah, like blocking the ball. He's good at blocking the ball. Getting the ball to second base. But the thing with. is, yeah, he struggles at throwing to second base. But blocking the ball, he doesn't do it the way you're taught to do it. Mm-hmm. He's sometimes fundamentally right, but sometimes we get lazy and kind of like lunge at the ball where like you want to be, yeah. like you want to put your chest forward mm-hmm. so when it hits your chest, it goes right back down to the yeah. ground. He sometimes, his back is straight, so boom, it fl- it's flying all over yeah, the place and see, stuff like uh, that. We see Russell Martin kind of with an unorthodox style because Russell played shortstop mm-hmm. in college too, right? So I mean, he's kind of, he has a different, he's got a good glove. Yeah. Whereas Danny Jansen's been a catcher for his whole career. Yeah. So he needs to definitely, mm-hmm. we saw Gary Sanchez for the Yankees 
get knocked around this year because of his defensive um, lack thereof ability. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, you're definitely right about the defense mm-hmm. for sure. He's yeah. like Dominic Hasek out there sometimes. Just you know, flopping around, flopping like an around a little bit, but whatever. Um, again, I give his offense like a B yeah. for being a 23-year-old guy, and especially as a catcher when you can have that kind of impact. Give him a B, but his defense is also a B, so mm-hmm. he's Bs all the way across the board. Patrick? Uh, I give his offense a C, but I think it's probably – uh, deserving a better grade looking at the numbers now like he 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 played in 31 games uh and he only had 17 strikeouts mm-hmm. that's that was kind of that's kind of surprising his obp is 100 points higher than his average the kid obviously has great eyes he's got eagle eyes he's got to figure out that situation with throwing second from behind the plate i don't know how you do that i guess that's something russell martin can help him with um he is the catcher of the future and he's probably the best catching prospect i've seen come up through our system in a super long time yeah agreed um yeah i'm not again he didn't quite get to 100 plate appearances so i won't grade him but i will give him two two things in his my over his marley career his walk and strikeout rates are nearly identical so, I mean, well, he, he did strike out eight times more than he walked in limited time. But I think to expect those numbers to be pretty similar in the future, probably around 10, 12% each. And he's got 20 home run potential power wise. He's never hit a ton of home runs in the minors. But again, the kid's young. He's 23. Um, and the po- power is something that does develop later in a lot of guys. Uh, especially a catcher who's focusing solely on learning a position and mm-hmm. learning pitching staffs. We, we, that's probably why we saw him come out hot because he wasn't doing a ton of the, he wasn't as, as into the game, I guess, at the start where he, he caught guys that he knew like Baraki and Reed Foley. And as the season went along for him, he learned a lot of different pitchers that he hadn't seen before. So he probably spent more time focusing on that versus getting working in the cage. So he saw his offensive numbers drop a little bit, but oh, I don't think any of us are worried about Danny Jansen's bat. We're just worried about him uh, defending and throwing out base runners a little bit better. But, yeah, catcher of the future for and us. And being the leader of the team, too. Yeah, like, he's... when you're the catcher, you're the leader of the team. You're supposed to be the guy. You're the shot caller. And Danny Jansen, I mean, he has potential to be the guy. We he's haven't really cool seen goggles. him. And that, he got, that's the thing. He's got that kind of look to be the guy. Again, looks like a great ball player. But um, <laughs> the thing is with him, it's just um, he's got he's to mature a lot. That's the thing with having a young catcher. You need veteran leadership elsewhere. Jays don't have a lot of that right now in the infield. I mean, if Tulo comes back, yes, then we do. But um, I think Danny Jansen just needs to prove himself. He needs a couple, like, tough guy moments, you know? Needs to, like, get really beat up behind the plate and tough it out <laughs> and hit a home runner. He needs that one signature yeah. moment, you know? But, again, it was his first year, so it's going to we'll happen. We'll see something. Uh, Reese McGuire, triple A. He's our triple A catcher next he's year. He's a Luke Miley here. guy. Yeah, he's kinda, a Luke Miley. Player. Backup catcher. Uh, again, 290 average in 14 games. Patrick, are you going to give him a grade? Uh, I think I wrote some stuff down. Yeah, just like, I mean, it was, he wasn't too bad. I would like to see, like, more of him. I don't know where, like, how that's even possible with such a logjam that we have. I think it would necessitate um, Russell Martin getting dealt. Uh, I think we'll see him again in September at the latest. Um, good luck to him in AAA. He'll get a chance to work with a lot of good arms that we have coming up through the yeah. system. I, I'd i be really interested to see 
what his AAA stats are going to be like as far as catching guys uh, trying to steal. Mm-hmm. That that'll be kind of something I'd like to see. Uh, maybe we'll ha- we'll try to reassess him. Uh, you know, in July next year, just see 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 how he's progressing. I just hope that Reese McGuire gets a female fan club called Reese's Pieces someday. Because <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> I want to I want to go five years in the future and see who's better, Spanberger or Urania. I just want to see who's going to be better out of those two. It's, you guys should put a bit on that. It's going to be Spanberger. If, hmm. if you tell me it's Urania, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I will bet a large sum of money on Spanberger being better than Urania. <laughs> Take that action, Patrick, or I'm just waiting for you to – no, no, okay, all right. Well, that's the infield then. Uh, that's it. That's all for episode 22 of uh, Bat Flips Maple Dips, or as the cool kids call it, BFMD. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, because Justin's shit in the bed every week. We're not on Exopia, sorry. Uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're all over it. Um, Patrick Marsh. Have fun sleeping. It's probably pretty late there because we recorded our podcast pretty late today. So get some get some shut eye, okay? I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a nightmare tonight all about Richard Urania. <laughs> He's gonna haunt my dreams for a long time. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have that. I mean, we let Richard Urania get There's gonna way be out of hand. Visions of Spanbergers dancing in my head tonight. That's yeah. all I can say. <laughs> Yuck! Monster dongs. Yeah. Uh, for Patrick, for Justin, it's Clayton. Um, we will see you next week. Have a good one.